is a numerically primitive question. Because Clara, as we all know, three o'clock in the afternoon, every afternoon, Clara was watching the Lone Ranger. And it's usually at the end of the Lone Ranger thing, after he does something heroic, the question is, who was that missed me? Now, I think the same question applies and the same kind of question goes in our hearts and minds when we think about, wait a minute here, who is this Jesus? What has he just done? What is happening in the moment? So I want to talk about, in part, and I say very vaguely, very dimly, because there is no way for me to give this sermon the way that Jesus' sermon came across, or should come across to the disciples, should have come across to the disciples, and should come across to us. And so what I want to use in context of helping us understand the greatest sermon ever given, which is the life of Jesus, a very simple, brief explanation about the high priest that we have in our life. Now, we are not ancient Israel, and we don't have a temple like ancient Israel had we don't have all of those things. But we have a high priest, and that high priest is Jesus. And what we read about in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, is this of this high priest that we have, who is Christ. And, it, and the author of Hebrews tells us this, this Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So, when we realize and we begin to understand the sermon that Jesus preached on an everyday basis, by the life that he led, who he was, we need to understand and appreciate that he had to stop doing the things that he has done and did. And so I want to read for us in terms of this high priest, because in ancient times, high priests came and they went. But in Jesus' day, in the order in which he was, we find here in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Speaking of what Jesus is busy doing now in his life, it says, But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Now we got to think about the life that he led and how he has interceded for mankind back then with the disciples and how he intercedes for us today. Such a high priest meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted in the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sin and then for the sins of the people. He sacrifices, he, he, he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Now, so we, we have this high priest who offered himself for us and he continues to intercede on our behalf. So, 
when we think about, and I was thinking about, well, what kind of sermon is going to excite people? What kind of sermon is going to be one that is a great sermon? I then had to be reminded also what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15. And as you're looking at your notes and seeing all the scriptures that I have down here today, don't worry. We're not going to cover all the scriptures, but they're the place they in the context for us. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1 through 5, here's what the Apostle Paul says about his preaching and about preaching, in essence, a great sermon. He says to, to the brethren in this church, he says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come to you with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So you see, the Apostle Paul had one focus in his preaching, and that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And in all of this, in this simple, yet focused context. We, we see things about Jesus, and we see things about who He is, and about the servant that He lived in His life. For He says, I resolved nothing but that, and crucified, I came to you with weakness and fear and with much tremor. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest in men's wisdom, but on God's power. So it is with this thought in mind that I think that we, we look at the greatest sermon ever preached in the life of Christ. And great sermons come from scriptures. And when we think about great sermons coming from scripture, we also have to recognize what Paul, Paul wrote to Timothy in giving this young evangelist direction in terms of preaching and an understanding. He tells Timothy, look, there are the Holy Scriptures. The Scriptures are there, they are God-breathed, they come from God, they are there to inspire, to correct, to teach, to exhort, to lead us into doctrine. Scriptures have a purpose. Scriptures produce results. And Scriptures are, according to the Apostle Paul in his writing to Timothy, they are the Word of God. Now, since scriptures are the word of God, and we're trying, so now we're trying to find out if you're going to preach a sermon, you're going to preach it from scripture, and scriptures are from God, what do the scriptures talk about? Because we're, we're narrowing down our focus here. Well, let's go back to Luke chapter 24, and we've touched on this in the last several weeks, because it was at this time that we find that Jesus is working with his disciples and wondering what in the world is going on, what has happened to us, what has happened, what continues to happen. And Jesus tells them here in Luke chapter 24, verses 24 through 27, and some of the companions of, of our companions are speaking about the Messiah and, and the problems that they had that he had been crucified and they had lost faith and then he says in verse 25, How foolish are you, and how slow a heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ, and of course he's speaking of himself, have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses. And so we think about Moses, and again I'm reframing this for us, you think about Moses who wrote the book of Genesis. So beginning with Genesis, all the way through the prophets, 
that to help people see a hope that they did not have otherwise. And Jesus dealt with a lot of people like this. Take Mary Magdalene. Take a you know, woman, evidently, demon confessed at one time. Take examples of people who sinned and all that. How did Jesus handle that? Because he says it could give recovery sight of blood and to release the oppression. But you've got to think about who is this man that does that? And if the plainly here of the Lord's pain that giving to people and he's saying, I have been anointed to do this. So when we look at this example of Jesus as our high priest, appointed once forever, we have, we have to take a look at Jesus' life and the perfect great servant. Because you see, the servant of Jesus' life is always about God. It is always about God. And as he says, you know, I always speak the things that the Father has taught me. I always do the will of the Father. The guys are directing him. And the Apostle Paul, in looking at his life, and this is in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, The life that I now live, it is not me. This is, again, following the example of Jesus. It is not me who lives this. It is Christ who lives his life in me and who loves me. This is what the Apostle Paul said and how that is accomplished. So we see this. So when we look at Jesus and we look at the sermon that Jesus gave, his life sermon, what would this, what are some of the things that the sermon of Jesus' life would tell us? His life would say, God so loved the world, my father so loved the world. He gave. He gave. And God, he would not just voice this record, he would express it in his life. He expressed that love that when he think about it, when he reached out and he touched the person who was leprous, dirty, leprous, diseased, healed. He expressed that love that when he reached out and he said, Lord, I don't do he expressed that love in an incredible way. He expressed that love when he said to his disciples, and his disciples had to know and understand it, and they saw it in his everyday life. He says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I have loved you. And this is that story that people in romantic love often use. I have loved you all of my you are, you are the love of my life. And actually, and we can leave every point of that. So we look at the life of Jesus, it is one of life of love. When we look at the life of Jesus, the servant that he gave, he says, you know, I didn't come here to be served. I came to serve. When he knelt down and he washed his disciples' feet, and he says, you call me Lord and Master, and that's right, that's correct.
what a server. Why, why am I still messing up? Why I was Saul? Why I was persecuting the church? Why I was stoning Stephen? And involved in all of that. He came to save me. You know, when I look, at, I look back at the life of Jesus, I realize I never had a friend like him. This man was a friend. Day in, day out, he was always there for me. And he made me always see. His life always made me feel like I was his very best friend. And that he laid down his love for me. And that he himself said, greater love has no one than to lay down his life. He did it every day. Uh, the disciples could say every day that I walked, we walked with him, we walked with him. Which kind of like, you know, we used to think that walking and being of walking and talking to God was something. We walked with him day in and day out. And you know what? He walked in those old sandals and that road. And he wasn't making a fashion statement or anything like that. He was one of us. By the way, this is what you tell us. He talked about the person that lived what he preached. He lived because what he preached. He was made flesh. He became one of us. He lived. And then fellowship. You know, think about the sermon he gave. We ought to love one another and care about one another. No man serves himself, as it were. Fellowship. And I, I'm reminded of what John says in 1 John chapter 1. You know, that we handle it. That we have fellowship with, with one another. Talk to us about anything and everything. And we feel like we belong. And grace. Oh, I. I look back and use the example here out of the book of Luke where he's happy. As he read those things, remember what it says in chapter 4? It says, I'm anointed to preach unto the, the gospel unto the poor. The following verse says, He does not still Christians. You see, you can read those words with an attitude of, Hey, listen up. God has anointed me. Let me teach you, and the Spirit is filling me up. Listen carefully. You poor people here, I am here to set you free. I'm going to give you life, you know. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to heal your hearts. I'm going to do all these things. No, when Jesus finished that, they said, we have never heard such gracious words. He preached grace. And he was gracious. And then forgiveness. Oh, mom. You can talk about forgiveness all day long. But when you're in pain on the cross and you're hanging there and you say, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. What a servant his life preached. What a servant that his life preached, even in death. And peace. Jesus said, Look, my joy, my peace, I leave you. 
Feeling the blues today, or tired of life already? Do you have questions about life, or need spiritual advice? The Worldwide Church of God is located in Fairfield, Santa Rosa, and Modesto, California. We welcome everyone to attend our worship services with us every week at the times listed on your screen.